0: A week where the impeachment inquiry moved to the House Judiciary Committee came with a lot of moving pieces and a bunch of new information. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi held a notable news conference. The Constitution's Article 2 had a moment in the sun. And we learned new details about the security of Trump's phone calls, to name a few. And so we're sharing with you five new things that we learned about the inquiry this week that we didn't know last week. This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency and what happens when branches of government collide. I'm Allison Michaels. Political reporter Amber Phillips covers Impeachment Daily here at The Post in her Five Minute Fix newsletter. I sat down with her in the studio to unravel the five new things to emerge out of impeachment world this week. Let's start with a key takeaway from the actual impeachment inquiry report out of the House. Intelligence Committee that they passed on to the Judiciary Committee on Tuesday. This report chronicles a scheme by the president of the United States to coerce an ally, uh, Ukraine, uh, that is at war with an adversary, Russia, uh, into doing the the president's uh, political uh, dirty work. The report disclosed some phone call records that we previously hadn't known about. But certainly the phone records show that there was considerable coordination among the parties, including the White House. What do these newly disclosed phone records show?
1: That a couple people were connecting to Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and to the White House sometimes half a dozen times in one day in key moments during this impeachment inquiry. For example, on the day that U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Marie Ivanovich got ousted, got told she had to come home, Giuliani had 11 calls with phone numbers associated to the White House. A couple of those were with a phone number mysteriously listed as negative one in the call records, we believe that's likely the president's personal phone number. So potentially Giuliani was in frequent contact
0: with the president while he was pursuing significant investigations in Ukraine. Why would that be significant if he was, in fact, talking to the president?
1: Other witnesses have testified that Giuliani was doing Trump's bidding in pushing a political quid pro quo in Ukraine. Gordon Sondland, diplomat, said, Trump was always like, talk to Rudy. And Rudy would say, get me political investigations into the Bidens in exchange for a White House meeting. Here are call logs that could back that up because Mm -hmm. you have Giuliani talking directly to the president. It's a tantalizing link between all of this and, and tying it directly to the president as someone who said, Let's make these political quid pro quos happen. But can you explain why these phone call records are considered only circumstantial evidence? We don't know what was said. We only know that there was a call right. place. So we, we don't. The, nobody was recording these people talking at the time. So it only bolsters witness testimony that Giuliani was acting at the behest of the president. As House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff said at the conclusion of these public testimonies, I do not believe for a second Giuliani was acting of his own volition. Common sense tells me he's Trump's personal lawyer. He was doing Trump's bidding. These call logs are just another data point Mm -hmm. to back that up. One thing I want to touch on is Congress's ability to get
0: these records, presumably from the phone company itself. Can you explain how this reflects Congress's
1: investigative power? Do they have the same abilities as, say, law enforcement does? It's similar, yeah. They can subpoena phone records through phone companies the same way law enforcement can. They can compel people to talk via subpoena, kind of like someone can be compelled to talk to a grand jury. Our national security team has said this isn't uncommon to do this. Speaking of our national security team, they reported late this week that phone records
0: showed no indication that those calls were encrypted or otherwise shielded from foreign surveillance. What are the risks of that?
1: Yeah, our national security team reported that Russia was likely spying on President Trump and his personal lawyer as they were talking to each other, as Rudy Giuliani was traveling to Ukraine a bunch, as he was talking to Ukrainian officials trying to smear Democrats and Joe Biden and and the former U.S. ambassador. It's even possible, these people said, that Russians were driving some of this conversation. We're putting in Ukrainians that were allied with Russia or friendly to Russia in front of Giuliani to give him information. This is really eyebrow raising from our story. CIA current and former officials told our reporters that it's possible Russia knew more about Trump and his allies' attempts to politicize Ukraine than impeachment investigators do.
0: On that note, let's move on to another thing that we now have more insight into after the events of this week, and that's the path toward articles of impeachment. Thursday, Nancy Pelosi said in a news conference that the House will proceed with articles of impeachment against Trump.
1: The president leaves us no choice but to act because he is trying to corrupt, once again, the election for his own benefit. The president has engaged in abuse of power undermining our national security and jeopardizing the integrity of our elections. His actions are in defiance of the vision of our founders and the oath of office that he takes to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Sadly, but with confidence and humility, with allegiance to our founders, and a heart full of love for America, today I am asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment.
0: Does that formal announcement actually change anything in terms of this process?
1: It does and it doesn't. When Nancy Pelosi addressed the nation in late September and said, I'm embracing an impeachment inquiry over these Ukraine allegations, she and other Democrats expected to be here in December writing articles of impeachment. This isn't a surprise that we're here. However, it, it escalates things because here you have the Speaker of the House Saying, yeah, let's write up articles of impeachment against the president, raising the possibility that in a couple weeks, Trump could be just the third president in American history to be impeached by the House. So it feels somewhat inevitable, but it still marks a moment in time that we're yeah. sincerely
0: moving forward. Okay. So does that announcement from Pelosi offer any clarity on what would be included in the articles themselves?
1: It doesn't. It At least publicly, she's trying to stay out of it. I think our congressional team has reported that she's certainly heavily involved in this stuff privately. We don't yet know what articles of impeachment the Judiciary Committee is going to write up against President Trump. I imagine they're writing it right now as you and I talk. Staff members and lawmakers are expected to work over the weekend because Democrats are on a really tight timeline here to try to get this out of the House by the end of the year. So they're not accused of impeaching Trump In an election year. All that being said, when you look at the House Intelligence Committee report released this week and read between the lines of what they accuse Trump of doing, you can come up with a couple potential articles of impeachment. One of those I see is abuse of power, arguing that he leveraged the entire State Department to try to benefit his own political campaign. Another one might be bribery. That's where withholding the military aid comes into play when he's on the phone with Ukraine's president and says, "I'd like you to do us a favor though" and then talks about investigating democrats. And a third one I thought was interesting, I didn't it was new to me, was undermining national security. This whole report is basically 300 pages of saying Trump invited a foreign government to interfere in our elections. And obstruction of congress is one that I think has been pretty baked in since the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's Democrats will quick be quick to remind you that President Nixon had an article of impeachment written up for not complying with subpoenas. Trump has elevated that playbook by Nixon and, and escalated it to where hardly any of his top officials have talked to Congress or given over documents. So it, it's almost certain that that's the third or fourth one if we're reading the tea leaves and trying to count what they might write up.
0: I want to go backward in the week a little bit to what I saw as a, a substantial takeaway from the hearings on Wednesday, where we learned that the Mueller report might have this second life. It might play a role in the impeachment process more so than we had previously thought. Wednesday morning in the opening statement from Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler, the Mueller report comes up. In the words of special counsel Robert Mueller, quote, the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency And worked to secure that outcome. Close quote. Did Nadler suggest that the judiciary might consider
1: including pieces of the Mueller report in articles of impeachment? Implicitly, he did, just by the fact of mentioning it in his opening statements in this first committee hearing for the House Judiciary Committee. This is the first hearing transitioning from an impeachment inquiry into impeachment. And here you have the chairman talking about Ukraine alleging Trump politicized the entire government to try to benefit his campaign. And then he comes out and says, oh, and by the way, remember this Mueller report? We think Trump also did very similar stuff with Russia. That, as my colleague Aaron Blake wrote, succinctly felt calculated Mm -hmm. in a way that suggests people like Nadler, a very powerful person in this process, want to fold in the Mueller report. The problem with that politically is that there are moderate Democrats who are already worried about impeaching Trump and what that might mean for their jobs, just based on the Ukraine allegations. They feel like if you're to throw in the Mueller report, you go back home and you have a hard time defending against allegations that Democrats are just impeaching Trump to impeach Trump. If you're
0: looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. OK, so throwing in more evidence from a report by a third party might somehow make it more difficult for certain Democrats
1: in certain districts to advocate
0: for impeachment.
1: Right. Because we saw when the Mueller report came out that majority of Americans thought President Trump at least lied about his involvement in trying to undercut Special Counselor Robert Mueller, some of his contacts with Russia during the campaign. But. A majority of Americans didn't think that rose to the level of impeachment. It just didn't drive home with the American public the way that Democrats had hoped it would. And moving forward to another piece of the hearings on Wednesday
0: is something that comes up a lot here on Can He Do That, which is how much wiggle room there really is in parts of the Constitution. And we specifically saw that on Wednesday in the hearings with four legal scholars, three brought by the Democrats, one brought by the Republicans, who had vastly different interpretations, at least at times, over what impeachment is and what the Constitution says about some of these terms. So in summary, how did the three scholars brought by
1: the Democrats define impeachment? Yeah, they said it's a constitutional mechanism for Congress to say a president isn't fit to serve. And because this president might have abused his or her power, committed bribery, even treason, here's where the Democratic-picked experts differed from the Republican one, is they said Trump more than committed those crimes and deserved to be impeached. A couple of them said, set aside your two months of your impeachment inquiry and all the witnesses you talked to. If you just look at the phone call Trump had with Ukraine's President July where he asked him to investigate the Bidens, if you just look at the fact Trump hasn't complied with any of Congress's subpoenas, I think that merits impeachment. Mm -hmm.
0: And what had the law scholar brought by the Republicans disagree?
1: He didn't say, this is notable, that Trump's behavior on Ukraine was okay. In fact, he made a point to criticize it and say he disagreed with Trump and even voted against him.
0: My personal views of President Trump are as irrelevant to my impeachment testimony as they should be to your impeachment vote. President Trump will not be our last president. And what we leave in the wake of this scandal will shape our democracy for generations to come. I'm concerned about lowering impeachment standards to fit a paucity of evidence and an abundance of anger.
1: But he thought Democrats were moving forward too quickly with impeachment. He thought they didn't have enough evidence yet. I'll note that Democrats have not been able to tie specifically Trump to telling Rudy Giuliani or others to have Ukraine investigate the Democrats in exchange for military aid. Mm-hmm. We know we he held up military aid. We know he asked Ukraine to investigate Democrats. The impeachment inquiry hasn't tied those two together by Trump specifically. So this Republican-picked expert says Democrats risk rushing through the process in a way that sets precedent for future Congresses To impeach presidents more easily. He was really worried about this slippery slope this might create. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the actual definition of impeachment, he agreed with scholars brought by the Democrats largely? He did. He agreed on one key point, which is that you don't have to commit a crime to be impeached. It's not the same thing as the federal criminal code. However, he said it would strengthen Democrats' case if they could... that Trump did commit a crime. And he took us on a whole history lesson from the other past impeachments. (laughs) As professors do. (laughs) As professors do. He had a 53-page single-space written statement with footnotes about this. And I I did read most of it, actually. And what he said was, you know, listen, uh, President Clinton was accused of perjury. That's lying to a grand jury. That's a crime that anybody would be accused of. President Nixon and, and a bunch of his aides, were accused of crimes. His aides even went to jail over some of this stuff. And here you have President Trump doing, you know, what might not be appropriate for a president, but is still within his bounds as president to remove an ambassador, to use diplomacy however he wants, to try to get what he wants out of a foreign government.
0: Why is it then that there's so much sort of room for interpretation on defining some of these terms in the Constitution, things like abuse of power and foreign interference and treason and bribery and even high crimes and misdemeanors? Why are these things not more clearly defined?
1: Yeah, our framers left this vague. And as one of the constitutional scholars said during Wednesday's hearing, they knew man was inventive, was going to come up with a bunch of different ways to commit impeachable offenses that these framers couldn't even (laughs) dream of, stuff like... Breaking into the DNC headquarters, trying to steal computer files, a phone call wasn't even a thing. So Mm -hmm. they left it vague. And then here we are, centuries later, trying to channel them and, and see if what a president is accused of fits into their thoughts of what a high crime and misdemeanor means.
0: All right. The last thing I want to touch on that I personally learned this week is just how wild the Senate trial has the potential to be. What do we know about how the White House plans to defend Trump in the Senate?
1: Yeah, our our White House team has reported Trump wants to be super aggressive when this gets to the Senate, likely in January. He sees this as an opportunity to defend himself. That's because Republicans control the Senate, and thus they can shape the process to some degree. Mm -hmm. We're still not exactly sure how they could shape this process, but I talked to a constitutional scholar who said they could call different witnesses like Hunter Biden. They could try to muddy who's even being impeached and what kind of wrongdoing there was. And our reporting suggests that Trump is totally okay with that. He just wants to, like, go all in on the trial. And it would be a very different dynamic than what's happening in the House, where he's tried to stiff-arm them. Is the White House operating from a position that they're almost certain to get an acquittal in the Senate?
0: Yes. So then why are they seeking to bring in live witnesses and go all out in Trump's defense?
1: Our White House team has reported Trump sees an opportunity to just seize the media narrative ahead of a 2020 election. Mm-hmm. There are senators who will be jurors in his trial who are trying to run against him and want to you know, try to be the Democratic nominee in the fall to unseat him. And here they are stuck in the Senate in January before a crucial moment in nominating contests, the Iowa caucus in early February, having to listen to Trump defend himself and have this massive megaphone it's another example of how trump really understands the media narrative and how to seize it in a way that benefits him it's all news is good news to him
0: all right well those are the five things that we learned this week that we didn't know last week but as a person who's deep in this impeachment reporting day in and day out what else did you learn and can anything surprise you at this point can you learn any more at this point are you maxed out
1: no, I think I think every day we learn something new. More broadly, I will say this week I learned how set both sides are in their ways mm-hmm. even more than I could have comprehended uh, before this week. And by that I mean Democrats are just gung-ho on impeaching the president by the end of this year even though there is a valid argument to having them wait. As Republicans' handpicked constitutional expert basically said this week, could Democrats just pause everything? There's no time limit to get this done. There's no expiration date. And wait for the courts to say that people in Trump's orbit, like former National Security Advisor John Bolton, Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, and others have to testify. And then they could potentially connect this quid pro quo to Trump in an undoubtable way. What would happen if they just paused it? Democrats, are, especially impeachment leaders, aren't even considering that. Republicans have moved even further into Trump's orbit to defend him. And by that, I mean there's been some wiggle room for Republicans in Congress to say, OK, I think the call was inappropriate. I don't think it's impeachable. But NPR just did an interview yesterday with the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, Doug Collins from Georgia, And asked him, do you think Trump did anything wrong on Ukraine? We're not asking impeachable, just anything wrong. And he said, no. I I mean, we're just both sides are so set in their ways that surprises me even after watching this hyper-partisan process.
0: Okay. well, we will stay tuned to see what happens next as this impeachment inquiry moves forward. Thank you so much for your time, Amber. Thank you. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? If you want to get more news about the impeachment inquiry, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on the inquiry in one place, including the latest from Can He Do That? Post reports and The Daily 202's Big Idea, updated whenever news happens. Subscribe at washingtonpost.com podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the hilarious Carol Alderman, with design help from Kat Rudell brooks logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. There's always more to the story. I'm Leanne Caldwell, anchor of Washington Post Live.